You're listening to The Echoes with me, Emily Andrew, the self-development podcast that explores personal stories, powerful tools, and an insight into the wide world of mental, physical, and spiritual health. Get ready to get curious, be inspired, and connect in. This week on the podcast, my guest is Julie Vandermatt, also known as Jules. Jules is a certified master EFT trainer, mentor, and social worker who specializes in training other mental health professionals in trauma-focused emotional freedom techniques, EFT. She's highly regarded in the EFT world for her approach and her experience. And with a background in working as a social worker, she specialized in working with sexual trauma and now uses her years of knowledge to teach EFT to others the slow, safe and gentle way. In this conversation, we'll be discussing trauma and sexual trauma and how we can use EFT to help reduce symptoms and providing relief. So without further hesitation, here is our conversation. I hope you enjoy it. I am really excited about today's episode and I'm a little bit nervous as well because I have got someone on the podcast that I hugely (laughs) respect. Um, Jules, your work is brilliant and the the things that you have to say about the way that we approach EFT and, um, you know, your experience in your field is amazing. So yeah, I'm having a little uh, fangirl moment on the podcast. But for those that haven't come across you and your work, how do you like to describe yourself? Tell us a little bit about you. Oh, thank you, Emily. And I'm I'm also excited and having a little fangirl moment because I really like what you do on Instagram. So we, um, we're Insta buddies, aren't we? we this is our first yeah. time we're meeting. Um, yeah, so I am original profession is social worker, so I've been a social worker for about 35 years and I found EFT when I was working at a sexual assault service uh, locally in Coffs Harbour where I live in Australia and I just started doing it really <laughs> because what I found was that most of the people who I, were work- who I was working with at the sexual assault service, did they talk therapy wasn't helping basically um, because most people couldn't talk about their sexual trauma. They didn't want to talk about it. They actually couldn't physically talk about it because their throat would <coughs> jam up um, or they would feel so much anxiety they would feel too sick to even come to appointments. So, you know, I just thought let's try this tapping because it was working well for me and everybody I was doing it with. Um, so I have just became kind of obsessed with EFT. And, yeah, went on to do level one, level two, and, you know, repeated and assisted and then level three and then went on to become an advanced practitioner and then went on to become a trainer because what I really wanted to do was teach other people who were working with people who had experienced trauma in particular. I wanted to sort of, you know, teach what I had learned from the group of people that I'd been working with. So... Yeah, and so now that's all I do. I don't work with I don't work with clients one on one anymore. Now all I do is training and mentoring of people through the certification process to become certified EFT practitioners. And my my kind of niche now is um, other mental health professionals, like other social workers, psychologists, therapists, allied health professionals, counsellors, that sort of thing. So 
Yeah, because I just feel so strongly that the kind of standard way that EFT is taught is there's just huge gaps in terms of what, um, I mean, I think what everybody needs to know about trauma and working with trauma, but particularly if you're working with people like I was with known trauma um, that is significant, I really feel that, you know, we need to be teaching it differently, I guess, than, than how I was taught anyway. I think that you being able to see that that gap and then fill it, I think, is a really beneficial thing because I, I, you know, we, we've talked separately and I think the beauty about EFT is that it is so accessible, but that can also be the the kind of the difficult part of it because there are people that will do the training and may not have a background in counseling or psychology and you know I myself don't have a counseling or psychology degree but um I'm aware of what I'm what I'm lacking as a mm. practitioner so I'm very careful about who I work with whereas I think that sometimes mm. some people can almost learn this new skill that they're so <coughs> excited about and then feel like they can go out and, you know, work with mm. anybody. So, you know, for for people that are interested in EFT mm. and especially if they're coming at it with, from, a, you know, a background of sexual abuse or trauma, what, what are the things to look out for in terms of finding the person to hold that space for you? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I guess the first thing would be, you know, I would be looking for a certified practitioner if I was in that position. Um, but, you know, all certification programs aren't created equally either. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I'd be going to the EFT International website and looking for, I'd, and also I'd be looking for an advanced certified practitioner if it was me, um, because that's a person who's been through the process of certification twice. And I guess, yeah, I mean, I would interview the person really myself if I was a client and, and just make sure that it feels like a good fit. You know what I mean? Because a person can have all of the right qualifications and might have a good you know, professional background that is appropriate, but they they just mightn't you mightn't feel that safe with them. So I think that the the actual feeling safe with a person, feeling comfortable with a person, is is really important. Um, and also, but yeah, I mean, also I'd be asking about particular training around trauma as well, um, because I think that's important. But in my in the niche of sexual trauma, what I have found is that um, again, even in when people are doing EFT, they just tend not to want to actually process old memories. They don't want to actually go there. They don't want to focus on what happened so much um, that that can be that can just bring up a lot of dysregulation in the nervous system. So. I think the re- one of the reasons that I have always had a wait list and a very successful practice is I would reassure people from the very beginning, you never have to talk about it, you know, we, we never have to go near any of that stuff if you don't want to. And if the, if the hippocampus, the memory centre, drops a memory in of something that you feel uncomfortable about, we have techniques to, of, you know, ways of dealing with that without actually speaking about it. Um, and so, 
yeah, I, I would, you know, if I was, I'd be a very well-informed client, wouldn't I? <laughs> so yeah. there'd be lots of things that I'd be looking for, but those are a few of them. Um, I'd want to, I would want to feel reassured that the practitioner understood my aversion to that and that that's a normal thing. The body doesn't want to re-experience trauma. And, and the body doesn't need to re-experience traumatic events and memories in order to process them. There's, there's the way that I work and the way I teach people is um, based around focusing on recent events and future events and the mind-body intelligence is so sophisticated that it knows that we might be talking about something that hasn't happened yet, a future event, but it, it uses that event to process the old events. So that's what I've that's what I've found. Um, and if I was a client, I'd be wanting to work that way because I because I just know because I've worked with thousands of mainly women, but also some men um, around sexual trauma that that works well. And even that can be challenging, you know. Even working on things that haven't happened yet. And that's how we know, right? That's how we know that the body is using this future event or recent event to process an old event because the person's going, <coughs> my throat's really tight or, oh, I feel like I'm going to be sick or, oh, my head feels like it's going to explode, like the body is showing us, you know, what's going on here. It's not about something that hasn't happened yet. It's the body is, is working on an old event that we don't even need to know what it is. That's how smart the system is. And I think that's so interesting, isn't it? Because especially more recently, you see, especially online, you'll see certain practices where people are screaming and seeming to be very upset, having to really feel it, feel it to heal it. And and for some people mm. that they want to feel that. Some people want to go you know, deep and open up wounds and, you know, process it in that quite masculine way. But what I'm in, and I think some people feel like you need to do that. But what you're saying, which I think is a breath of fresh air is that that doesn't have to be the only way to do it. And actually, for many people, it's okay. Mm. And it's, it's okay to be able to do it in a way that is a lot more soft and nurturing and supportive and you can get just as good mm. results maybe if not better in this gentle approach yeah and you know what I say to people who say you need to you know go and process those memories and find the original trauma and work on that um People who say that clients want to do that, what I say is clients want to feel better, right? People people that I've worked with in this area of sexual trauma are desperate. They have spent thousands of dollars. They've been to many, many different health professionals, told their story again and again and again, lots of them, not all of them, right? But many of them have been on a long road. Um, a long healing journey and they are desperate to do anything to feel better and and they hear that EFT is this amazing thing you know and you hear that it's quick you know so they hear that it's fast it's effective it's and so who doesn't want that right like but 
I don't think it means that they want to re-experience trauma, right? What they want is to feel better. And if you gave them the choice, really, would you, would you like to would you like to feel better by focusing on the awful things that happened to you and having to re-experience that in your body? Or would you like to do that in a gentler, safer way for your nervous system? Nobody would choose to actually, if they knew there was a choice to do it this way or this way, nobody I know would choose to go back and revisit traumas unless they thought that was the only way that they could do it, right? And that's why I have felt sort of um, brave enough to speak up and say it's not necessary, right, and it doesn't get better results. If it blows up your nervous system, that is not a better result, right, and that's what actually happens. So for a lot of people, um, and, you know, lots of people who've been trained in that sort of old way of you've got to feel it to heal it, you've got to go back, you've got to, you know, probably think that I'm being a bit, you know, precious and a bit overly cautious. But to me, you know, the job of the practitioner is to assess the level of regulation or dysregulation in their client at every moment right and and to match the content of the session and the and the setup statements and the reminder phrases all should match what's happening for their client but even when you know like i i have had people who i have done you know memory work with um and the session has seemed completely fine as in you know it it went in a textbook way the you know the Suds, the intensity came down on all aspects, blah, blah, blah. I've been just so happy with how that's been for that person. But it stirred up stuff in the nervous system. The nervous system wasn't ready to do that or, you know, that the person might then be experiencing more symptoms like flashbacks or, you know, hypervigilance or anxiety or poor sleep. Or So I think, you know, this is what's um, – so, yes, it, 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 the session can look like it's gone very well but then the practitioner doesn't see that person again and wonder why. You know, like, I mean, that, that certainly happened to me in earlier days. Um, I think I've done the right thing. I think I've done everything by the book. It was a textbook session, but it's it's just been too much, you know. So the person's gone along with it and they've thought, well, that's what I'm doing, what we have to do. This is what we have to do. But actually, um, yeah, you know, like I tell my mentees, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Right, so just because the hippocampus drops a memory of an you know a time that was is has holding a lot of intensity, just because you can process that memory directly doesn't necessarily mean you should. Um, anyway, but it's it's the sort of thing you've got to be. Yeah, like I said, it's I just teach my mentees match your setup statements and your degree of sort of specifics around events and why you feel sad about that now, etc. If that is sort of well matched to the level of regulation in your client, it'll be okay. But just, yeah, like it's just about being understanding that for the body, for the nervous system, it's a big deal to even speak about things like this, you know, and so... Yeah, the gen- the gentle approach is definitely preferred by people who've experienced that kind of trauma. So in terms of dysregulation, regulated systems, all of the this stuff, for somebody that 
you know, has doesn't know mm. what a dysregulated system looks like. You know, if somebody has experienced some kind of trauma or sexual trauma, what are the signs that, you know, they, because they may not necessarily remember what has happened to them, but they may be experiencing the signs of a dysregulated system. What does that look like in people? Yeah, well, the, you know, the client shouldn't be having to worry about it, really. It should, it's the practitioner's job. Um, but the practitioner mightn't be aware, right? But anyway, from the, from the client perspective, um, dysregulation can look like my throat is getting tight, right? And the, the, what the person often interprets that as, my body is saying, don't talk about this, right? My body is making it hard for me to talk about this. Maybe I shouldn't be talking about this because... They may have spent decades with that belief, you can't talk about this, it's not safe to speak about this, this will cause big trouble in the family, no one's going to believe you, whatever that is, right? So dysregulation is, oh, the throat's getting tight, the chest feels, I can feel my heart beating, <gasps> my chest feels heavy, or feels sick in the tummy, I feel butterflies in the tummy, um, so those are the really common areas that the dysregulation will show up in the body um but it might also be you know people will their eyes will sort of change so they'll you know they can and they'll start talking fast because there's a thing called the trauma pool where um I might be trying to keep them from talking um, I might be able to try to keep them focused on something that hasn't happened yet right like I've got to go to my uncle's funeral and I'm feeling very anxious because I'm going to see my cousin who sexually abused me when I was a child right so I might be trying to keep them focused on that the funeral and seeing the cousin and that is a big lot of intensity right there but their their brain their body will have this sort of trauma pool thing happening where they it wants to go to the worst thing you know or it and it might um yeah anyway so like I said the client shouldn't have to be worrying about it but basically it's how comfortable do you feel in your body Right. If your if your body is feeling uncomfortable, if your body feels like it's sending signals of this isn't safe to talk about this, or you know, oh my back feels, oh I feel like someone's grabbing me from behind, or you know, like that's all. Those are all signs of dysregulation. Also, you know, if if a person is kind of dissociating, not feel, feeling like I'm not I'm not in my body anymore, like I'm I'm here and I'm talking to you, but I feel like I'm spacey. I'm not really or I'm numb or I'm frozen or I'm, you know, so there's all sorts of different ways it can show up. Um, but the main thing is that there's a good relationship with the practitioner and that you can be reporting what's happening for your body and the practitioner should know how to handle that and not just let you be feeling, you know, um, a lot of discomfort in the session. And shouldn't be pushing the body to focus on things that it maybe isn't ready to focus on. You know, like I advise my mentees, don't do memory work. in, Don't work on childhood events in the first couple of sessions or even the first three sessions. Like give the body a chance to settle into the process and to trust the practitioner and to trust EFT and to just see how the body responds to working on things that haven't happened yet or things that only just happened because that can stir up a lot of stuff in the nervous system for a person. So, I, you know, like just because you can doesn't mean you should. If a person, if a memory drops in, 
in the first couple of sessions, then I teach my mentees to educate their clients that 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 might happen and that's okay. But we'll pop, we can pop that in a container for now. And where would you like to put the container? And we can come back to that. Um, yeah, because it's it can just be enough for the body to be even talking about it at all in any sense. In terms of the dysregulated kind of responses as well, that isn't just Mm -hmm. solely in session, is it? Those kind of things can happen day to day in daily life when when certain things get triggered. And so I assume that a lot of the work also is about being able to give your clients the tools to be able to help themselves in that moment yeah definitely and I and I find um often I'm just teaching sort of silent tapping orienting tapping you know doing the the fingernails the discreet tapping the body holds you know things like that like I just find that a lot of my clients in the first few sessions they just don't have the capacity to be learning a new life skill (laughs) you know like they can do little things like just silent tapping if they're feeling overwhelmed, but I'm not, you know, I mean, it's a nice idea that I'll try and teach them how to do basic EFT in between sessions. But the reality is most people are just way, you know, when they start the work, they are really overwhelmed and struggling with life. Uh, and so I've found that a lot of people, you know, it, it's not until we have a few sessions that they can really learn how to help themselves in a more um yeah in a more involved sort of a way but you know just knowing just being able to pick it up like oh I'm starting to feel really overwhelmed here I might just try that that hold that Jules showed me or I, I might just do some silent tapping or I can just tap on one point oh you know and maybe for some people including a bit of breathing and that is helpful but um yeah so it's it's really good to be able to teach people with very, you know, it's a very empowering process, isn't it, EFT? Because people realise, oh, wow, so I can do this myself. I can help myself. I mean, that's, I think, as a social worker, what I really loved about EFT was being, have just being able to show people you can do this at home. You know, you don't need me to feel better. You can, it's, you know, obviously it's better to have a 90-minute session with a highly trained practitioner is going to help, you know, in in a better way. But in between sessions, you can certainly um, there's lots of little things you can do to help, you know, calm overwhelm and stress and anxiety in the moment. So yeah, that's a good, it's a huge benefit of EFT. You mentioned earlier about some of the beliefs from sexual abuse survivors, trauma survivors survivors people that have experienced that Mm. in terms of it's not safe to speak you know if I speak there may be consequences do you find that by focusing Mm. on future events you're able to start to challenge some of that that belief programming with with that kind of the gentler techniques oh definitely absolutely yeah yeah so you know let's take a really common one, um, you know, like feeling guilty. Like people will say, I just feel guilty about everything, right? Like I 
I, I feel guilty for buying a cup of coffee. I feel guilty for having someone look after my children. I feel guilty about not going to a friend's birthday party because I'm too overwhelmed or, you know, I'm too stuck in my PTSD to be able to be with people today. Um, so, you know, we write down, if you know, like what I ask people is what are the thoughts and feelings and sensations in the body that you experience frequently that you want EFT to help you with, right? And so they'll say, well, guilty is one. So we write down, I feel guilty, right? What percentage does that feel true as a percentage? Oh, 90% of the time. Like I can be triggered to feel guilty about anything. And then another one might be shame and another one might be worthless, right? I feel worthless. Everything can, anything can make me feel worthless. If I invited a friend to go for a walk on Saturday and they said, oh, no, actually, I'm meeting such and such for Pilates, I could feel worthless about that. That could trigger me into a cycle of she doesn't like me, you know, the other person is more interesting, the other person is better than me, whatever, and so, you know, worthless. So anyway, we write down I feel shame, you know, I feel worthless, and we get a percentage on all of those different, you know, that would be enough, three things to be measuring. and. So and I teach people what I call the banana bread analogy, right? So let's say out of out of guilty, shame and worthless, which one do you really want to focus on? Oh, well, probably the worthless actually, feeling worthless on the daily. <laughs> it's ruining my life. So I say, okay, let's say, and I always use my phone as a little prop, you know, let's say this is a whole loaf of banana bread that represents your worthlessness right your your capacity to be triggered into feeling worthless here's a whole loaf of banana bread so the way we're going to work on that is i'm going to have you cut off a slice of banana bread cut the slice into four little pieces right and then one piece of banana bread represents a recent time you felt worthless or a future time when you know that you will probably be triggered to feel worthless so can you tell me a recent time? And then they might say, oh, well, you know, yesterday I messaged Emily and said, do you want to go for a walk on Saturday? And she said, oh, no, sorry, I'm going to go to this Pilates class with Claire. And and I that made me feel worthless, right? She doesn't really like me. She doesn't want to spend time with me. She'd rather be with other people. And so, okay, so thinking about yesterday now when you messaged Emily to ask, do you want to go for a walk? And she said, no, I'm doing a Pilates class with Claire. How do you feel? Oh, I feel sad. Why do you feel sad? Well, I feel sad that that this happens to me, right, that a simple little thing like that can make my body spiral into this pit of worthlessness that I can't get out of for hours, right? And... So we would tap on what happened yesterday, you know what I mean? And then, and we just work like that, right? Or what would be the next time you might feel worthless? Well, you know, I've been invited to my in-laws and I've got to bring a cake, you know, like my mother-in-law asked me to bring a cake uh, for my husband's birthday and, and I just feel that makes me feel worthless, you know what I mean? Because I'm not a good cook and they're not going to like what I bring. And so we do these little these little things and they look like little pieces of banana bread. You know, they look like little insignificant events in a person's life. But these are the things that trigger people, right? So what I teach people is <clears throat> by working in this banana bread analogy sort of way of here's the thing we're focusing on is the worthlessness and the last time you felt worthless or the next time you're going to feel worthless. And the body-mind is so intelligent that when we're focusing on yesterday, how that made me feel worthless, 
it's it's working on all the old stuff. It's working on the little neural pathways that have been firing together and wiring together for decades that tell you to feel worthless by, you know, as a result of little things. It's it's like, you know, I tell people it's like you're working with a filing cabinet and you're saying, okay, mind body, I'd like to work on this worthlessness file, please. And you get out that file and the body goes, yep, what, which one do we want to work on? And it goes, how about yesterday? Can we work on yesterday, please? And it goes, yep, I've got that here. And all right, so when you're thinking about yesterday, what do you feel? Oh, sad. Where do you feel that? In my heart. What does it feel like? Oh, it's like tightness, you know. And so anyway, it's it works. So I keep it very kind of structured and very simple and very much about just little things like that. And then, you know, yeah, the body mind likes that approach basically, right? Because it it feels safe because we're not going anywhere big or scary today. We're just going to do these little events, but there can be a lot of intensity come up. Um just, you know, we could do a whole session on I asked Emily to go for a walk and she said no. We could do a whole 90-minute session on that to to bring that sort of worthlessness down and then the disappointment and then the sadness and then the hopelessness and then you know, all the different aspects related to that just from that one little recent event. And in the end, the person's like, oh, I feel so calm. And then next week when they come and I say, I feel worthless, what percentage does that feel true? And let's say it was 90% before we did any EFT, they might say 75, right? They might say 80. It doesn't matter. Like what I teach my mentees is if you you might get a 10% decrease in that, right? I feel worthless. Every time you do a session, it'll drop 10% and then it'll drop another 10% and then it'll drop another 10%. And after you do three sessions, instead of being 90, it might be 60. And that's actually, that's a big, that's a lot of relief, you know. So I, I teach people, we, we're not about clearing trauma and we're not about transforming lives. We're about reducing symptoms, providing relief, um, you know, what I say is those triggers around feeling worthless and shame and guilt, we can, all we're going to try and do, and it's going to, you're going to have to give me a few sessions to do it. There's no one session wonders here. The trigger's going to happen less frequently. It's the trigger's going to be less intense. And when it does happen, you will hopefully have some idea of how to help yourself. Right? So, that's the goal is just reducing the sort of the the frequency of the triggers the symptoms the severity of them and helping and having the person feel like oh I might just do that body hold I'm feeling like I feel I feel that worthless feeling okay and the, and it's and the, the somatic practice is to you know like I'm not trying to push away worthless I'm like here it is a little simple thing happened and I'm feeling worthless but and I can I might just do some silent tapping, right? <sighs> and the person kind of realizes that I, I, this, this, this comes up, but it is less intense. It is happening less frequently, and I know something I can do about it. So that's sort of the goal of the work is to is to focus on what's happening now, what's ruining your life now. Well, feeling guilty about buying a cup of coffee right, feeling not being present to my children because I'm always in my head and being triggered by all this random stuff. You know, my trauma my trauma is interfering with my daily existence 
and it means I'm not the mother that I want to be or I'm not the partner that I want to be. You know what I mean? So that's what people want help with really is what's happening now and we absolutely 100% can do that by focusing on things that just happened and things that haven't happened. And as I said, like I used to do a seven-session minimum when I was seeing clients because that people bringing me a lot of big loaves of banana bread, Emily, <laughs> you know, lifetimes of trauma basically that have left them with huge sort of limiting beliefs and a lot of symptoms and stuff. And, you know, like that, like for some people, that feeling of worthlessness could go from being 90 or 100% before we do anything and after six full EFT sessions, six 90-minute EFT sessions, it could be, oh, I don't feel worthless at all. That's, I don't need to work on that anymore, right? Yeah. I Oh, look, it did happen last week, but it was very short, you know, and I just did some silent tapping in the bathroom and it just sort of came and went. And other people might need a lot more sessions than that. But, you know, I teach people to be, to have realistic expectations, to set, to set goals that are, that have baby steps. You know, a baby step would be to just, um, have your feeling less triggered in a daily, in your daily experience, you know, just for those triggers to be not happening as often and just, and not be sort of so big every time. And, that, and people are happy with that, you know, because they've tried a lot of other things generally. Yeah. I feel like a nodding dog for this. So I'm just like, yes, yes. <laughs> um, um, <laughs> but something I was thinking when you were talking, because I think quite a lot of EFT, obviously it focuses on the body and being able to um, identify where we're, where we're feeling something in our body and what that feels like and that kind of thing. Do you find with people who struggle with, um, have gone through sexual abuse, do you find there is a disconnection and and is there sometimes a period of having to understand what the body is saying and making the body it feel safe to be in your body again because I know that that can happen quite often with in with eating disorders and things like that and I'm just wondering if there mm. is that to sometimes have to navigate with people who struggle yeah so I mean what I find I mean the way I teach EFT like I with my mentees I say no tapping on the first date Right, so your job on the with the first session is you're going to educate your client about nervous system dysregulation, about EFT, how EFT works, why EFT EFT works. You're going to help them. You're going to have them so well prepared that when you know, and you're going to be setting some goals and doing some assessment, and you're going to be listening about the problem, right? And really, how's this showing up for you? How's it affecting you? So that so. And the only tapping you'll be doing, if any, is you're going to show them silent tapping. So, you know, you can show them where the points are. You might show them orienting tapping. Um, you might show them a bit of tap and rant if they look pretty regulated, right? But the, the goal of that first session is to help the body understand, I know this is a big deal for you, right? So I'm not going to go, you know, like if I went on a date with a person, um, and we hadn't known each other very long and they lunged at me and started pouring at my part and kissing me and I hadn't really, I'd be like, what? 
I didn't say you could do that, you know, and I and what I sort of teach people is EFT is the same, right? It's working with the body. So we don't go poking around people's emotional holes and private things when we be when we've just met them. I just don't agree with that, right? Um so anyway, so I teach, you know, it's about we're building safety, we're building trust, we're building rapport, that's and we're setting a little goal and we're we're really making sure the person feels heard by us, right? And they understand the job of EFT and what it is. And so if then we come to the first session and we go to work on the worthlessness and they say, I don't feel anything in my body, that's okay. It doesn't matter, right? Like it's just, it's neither here nor there. What are your thoughts about it? Oh, well, I feel now I'm worried that EFT won't work for me because I'm not feeling anything in the body and you've got to feel things in the body, don't you? No, you don't actually, right? So we might do some rounds on. We might just sneak up on that, you know, even though I feel worried. And then they might start feeling stuff, you know, because we are tuning into it. But, um, yeah, like, I mean, there's, I tend to find with my niche it's more the opposite, right? They feel, oh, it's big, big, big. The minute we start even, the minute we start tapping, the minute we start talking, often it's the intensity is really high. So I'm a bit more used to that than people that say I'm not feeling anything. Um, but either way, it's okay. You know, like I just, that's part of the psychoeducation that the practitioner ought to provide. If you're not feeling anything in the body, it's okay. We'll just go with the thoughts and the feelings, right? Because EFT is, you know, it's exposure therapy. So that's the focus on the negative, even though I feel anxious thinking about going to my uncle's funeral because, and that's, that's the cognitive therapy side of it. Well, the thoughts are, what if my cousin's there? I don't, I'm really afraid to see him. Um, and then the somatic element is where are you feeling that in your body, right? Oh, well, and it might be butterflies in my tummy and my chest is pounding or it might be nothing. I don't feel anything when I think about that now. That's okay. It, like whatever, it's all normal for you. And pe- and I find that people, that people that start off with not much feeling, sometimes it comes in after a few sessions. You know what I mean? As the body settles down and kind of realizes that this is a safe modality, um, the body might kind of join in. But you know, I've had people that really they don't feel much in the body at all, and it still works. And then, and then there's other people who go into that kind of freeze, you know, dissociation, um, feeling very shut down. I can't access any feeling, and and still we just work with that. It's not. Um, yeah, so we're just we're just working with whatever the body is showing us now, and the, and the, the EFT will usually just turn down whatever is present that's not feeling comfortable. You know what I mean? So, and the somatic practice is the asking the body, "Where are you feeling that anxiety? Oh, in my stomach, in my chest." But if the body doesn't have anything to report on that, then we just move along. And we just, even though I feel anxious thinking about going to my uncle's funeral tomorrow because I'm frightened of seeing my cousin. And that's just where I'm at. Um, Yeah, so I just, it's all part of the education that I don't know what your body's going to do when I tap with you. Like some people have a lot of stuff come up and other people not so much and other people it really varies from session to session. So it's just sort of, you know, the education piece is really important because education leads to increased regulation, 
right? If people understand what we're doing and why we're doing it and what to expect. Okay, so she said I mightn't feel much in the first few sessions. She said not to worry about that. Oh, she said a memory might come in, right? Well, she said I might start feeling things very strongly in my body. That's what's happening. So she said that would happen, so that's okay, right? I just need to tell her. So it's all about pre-framing and preparing people that helps the body kind of go like, oh, oh God, good, she understands this is a big deal for me, right? She gets it, that's okay. All right, I'm going to cooperate with this process because I feel like she understands, you know? Hmm. Whereas I don't know about you, but I've had the odd EFT session myself where I've thought, you don't actually know me, you don't know anything about me, you're using words I didn't say, you're, you know, like it's very, it can be very disorienting if a person isn't attuned and isn't, Hasn't spent that time, I think, given the body that, um, in, you know, realising that the body is listening every minute, right? The body, every cell of the body is listening every minute and it's it's tuning in and it's, uh, you know, it's, are you, do you understand this is a big deal for me or not? Because if you don't, uh, you know, I'm not going to play. <laughs> That's how I think about it. Yeah, I think I'm going to make this I, hard I mean, no, for you, right? I'm going to shut things down. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And I think that that's something that I, people can internalize. You know, if they have that response, if somebody who's been through kind of that trauma, they may be like, "Oh, it, they, it's my problem. It's something I'm doing wrong." And actually, I think being able oh, to give them, people exactly. the permission to understand that. It's not their. It's not their fault. It's not something that they are doing wrong. Is a really important piece yeah. because we so often will just turn around and be like, "Oh well, it's it's me then. It must be me." Oh, absolutely, and that is something that you know. I'd say a massive percentage of my clients would say, "I'm broken, right? I'm the problem here." So if the EFT didn't work, it's my fault, right? And and they won't tell you that. You know, like, uh, like it because they, like you say, they internalize everything. They're so used, it, that's so normal for them. Oh, this doesn't work either for me. My body can't, you know, I can't do this properly either. Right? I'm not being a good client because um, either my body's not participating or it's too much. It's too much. You know, what's happening for me? I'm too much. Like, that's a really big one for a lot of my clients. I'm too much. I'm too much for. A relationship, I'm too much for my family, I'm too much for people at work. Like everywhere I go, I'm too much. So I'm also going to be too much for this person who's who's doing EFT with me. And it and then it you know, often if that sort of education piece isn't done well, if the safety and trust isn't done well, and sometimes even when that is all done well, they can feel like, Oh, I'm I'm being too much. My body's having this big reaction, you know, and this EFT practitioner is either like there with me and is like a life raft in a rough ocean. You know, like that's what I remember when I first started doing EFT. The people, like their eyes would be like, oh, like this is scary. Being in my body is scary, right? Like even just even we haven't even talked about anything, but just being here with the intention of talking to you about this, people look very, you know, it's an intense process for a lot of people. So 
I had to really learn very early on how am I going to modify this process to help people with who have so much, you know, stored survival stress that is very easily stirred up without even talking about anything, you know. So, um, and the practitioner has to be calm, right? Like I have to be a life raft in the rough ocean. I have to be, I'm right here with you. Just keep tapping, keeping your eyes open. Just keep tapping. Feet on the floor, you know, like just bringing them back, orienting them back to that present moment and, yeah, but it's not fun, that this kind of work. It's, you know, like it, it does get good results, but even when it's managed really, really well, it can be very challenging. And I just feel like there's not enough talk about that, you know what I mean? There's all this sort of talk about EFTs, this like quick fix, and you see people doing all this kind of positive tapping on, on Instagram and stuff, and I just think that's actually not EFT. Sorry, mm-hmm. it's not clinical EFT. You know, and my mentees will say, oh, and the clients have said, oh, I've tried tapping, that doesn't work. But what they've tried is positive. I am safe. I am calm. I choose to be motivated. You know, they're not. They're, anyway, people are teaching themselves on TikTok. That's how desperate they are to feel better. But what they're seeing on, you know, what I call social media tapping is not clinical EFT. So mm. they're worlds apart, actually. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's something that whenever I do workshops and things, I always mention because there is a lot of you know EFT got a big bump when I'm a celebrity get me out of here was on and boy George was in the jungle and doing his you know I am calm I am safe and that kind of thing so there was a huge surge in oh what's this tapping thing and I think you know people had this this idea of oh it's just saying positive affirmations and tapping on 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 points of your face and I'm. I think it's really important to to make that difference because there is a place for positive tapping, but that is not clinical EFT. And I think the reason, obviously, why there isn't much clinical EFT on social media is because, as practitioners, we have to keep people safe. You know, it's not going to be helpful for yeah. us to be putting necessarily videos out there that are uh, going into quite big topics and doing it how we would with a client or you know even if it's in the gentlest way that might trigger Mm. somebody if and so there's a level of responsibility where I think that it is safer to put Mm. something that is a bit more positively led on social media but to make the distinction of this is not kind of clinical EFT this is general this isn't specific Mm. this all of these points yeah I think that's where it's you've kind of it's putting something out there so people can hear about it but being able to put the the, make the distinguish kind of the change and I think as somebody I obviously I post a lot on social media in terms of EFT and tapping and stuff so it's always something I'm Mm. I'm quite conscious of trying to make sure that I'm putting information out there but also keeping people that are watching my videos safe um yeah it's a, it's a hard one yeah. I think that's right and I you know because I'm a trainer like I've produced a little series of videos working with um people who are pretty regulated humans um and just and just showing this is what a whole session looks like you know like working on a particular goal like something to do with money or something to do with a business or whatever 
um, just to show people this is what clinical EFT looks like, you know. So because I think, um, yeah, and like I said, you know, it's not it's not working on any big trauma stuff. It's But, you know, memories come up in the sessions and that sort of thing. But, yeah, I think, yeah, we just got to keep making that distinction. And, I mean, you know, if, it's good if people are interested in EFT and if people, you know, like the thing is when people are doing positive tapping, I'm like it's not, I don't think it's the affirmations that are working, it's the tapping. And if you just did silent tapping, it would be just as beneficial, I think. <laughs> you know, if if all you did was silent tapping when you feel a bit overwhelmed, that would help. You don't have to say, I feel safe, I am calm. Anyway, yeah, I'm the same. I just try and send the message that if you're tapping on a point and you're saying a negative word about how you're feeling, it'll help. Anxious, feeling anxious, anxious in my tummy, anxious in my tummy. Like just keep it simple. But, yeah, swap the positives for it, for just one negative word about the feeling and perhaps where it is in the body, anxious, anxious mm-hmm. in my tummy, feeling anxious in my tummy, that will get a better result. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, because it's the Any truth, tapping is better than no know, tapping, isn't whole... it? That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, and I don't understand. I think... If you're feeling anxious, I don't understand, like, why we would say I feel safe because we're tapping and we want we want to say the thing we want to turn down, right? So if, if we're feeling anxious, we should be saying I feel anxious because we want to turn down the anxious feeling. Whereas if we say I feel safe, anyway, it doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> but that's because we understand clinical EFT, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I could talk to you forever and I'm so grateful that you came on and um, I just really appreciate you and all the work that you do um if people are interested in training to be an EFT practitioner and they wanted to come to mm-hmm. you or g- give us all the information everything that we need to know in terms of working with you and all your kind of details yeah so my instagram is just tapping with jewels and my website is just tappingwithjewels.com so that you just send me a message um, send me an email via the website and I'll get back to you. I mean, I'm in Australian time zone, so it's probably not very UK friendly. Like oh, there's a few people in the UK who say they want to train with me, but unfortunately it would be night times for them. Um, but some people, you know, I mean, I used to be up in all hours of the night, in the middle of the night actually, to train to be, to do my advanced certification and to be a trainer. Like me and my colleague Katie, we'd be up in the middle of the night doing it because that's how much we loved it. But everybody's not, everybody's not like that. So um, that's all you need to know. As an EFT practitioner myself, I found this conversation really interesting. And I think that the beauty of EFT is that it is so adaptable for people no matter what they're using it for. So whether you're using it to help with money blocks or something that may not have extreme emotional distress, or if you are using it to help you to overcome PTSD, trauma, sexual trauma, there is a route and a way for you. But being able to have this conversation and share it with you, I think is a really special thing. So I'm so grateful that Jules came on 
As always, if you enjoyed this conversation, if you found it useful, then please give the podcast a like, a review, share it with somebody that you love because those small actions can make such a big difference in getting conversations like this out there and helping even more people. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate you tuning in every week. I hope wherever you are, you have a wonderful week and I will see you again really soon.